welcome to the broadcast of Crosstown Church of Memphis. We are a church that is Christ-centered, diversity-driven, and community-committed. A church that's bringing people together, sharing God's message of hope, love, and service. We seek to love God, love people, and serve the city. We welcome you to our broadcast with Pastor Byron Fitzpatrick. So today, we are continuing our teaching series that we started a couple of weeks ago, which is titled 30 Days. Today, we're on part three of that teaching series. And, uh, you know, during this series, we're asking ourselves a question, and that is, what would you do if you were told that you only had 30 days to live? Truth is, if we found out, if someone told us, if a doctor told us or whoever, that we only had 30 days to live, we would begin to think about a lot of different things that we probably taken for granted. We would probably make some changes in our lives, maybe some changes in our behaviors or whatever. But we would begin to think of life or look at life in a different manner manner we would probably begin to think about things that uh you know that we value in life we were probably thinking about things that you know that's most important to us and we will probably begin to um activate those things in our lives in ways that we've probably been neglecting we're probably thinking about you know some of you might have a bucket list of things that you want to do you know before you leave this this planet look before you leave this world you probably start to you know look at your bucket list and begin to strike off things on your bucket list you know but the reality is if we were told that we only had 30 days to live, we would probably change our lives. There would be probably be some things about our lives that we would make some changes in. You know, we have a scripture that's been driving us throughout this entire series that I want to share with you today. And that is, is from the book of Psalms, chapter 39, verses four and five. It says, Lord, remind me of how brief my time is on the earth. Uh, 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 it says, remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is slowly fleeing, uh, fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment with you. We have to realize that, you know, our lives in reality is just a brief moment. It's only just a brief moment that we hear on this earth. You know, in comparison, when we look at uh, time, when we look at from the beginning of time up into now and who knows when the end of, you know, uh, this world as we know it is going to come to an end. But just looking at from the beginning up until now, you know, the time that we have here on this earth and the time that we spent so far here on this earth has been very, very brief. You know, our existence is just like a breath, especially to God. God is forever. He is timeless. He is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. And so our just a very short, brief moment that we have to live our lives is just a breath to God. When you take a breath, it's gone just like that. That one breath is gone just like that. And guess what? It can never, you can never get that one breath back. So our lives, if we were told that we only had 30 days to live, we would look at our lives in a sense of, man, it's just a moment. And hey, we are never going to get it back. So we were began to think about our lives in different ways and start thinking about what's more important. You know, last week I asked a lot of questions. And one of the questions that I asked was, you know, how about leaving or building a legacy? And so today, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you all to take notes, if you're taking notes, 
write this down. This is our subtitle for today, and that is leaving a legacy. So I asked the question last week, like I said, how about leaving a legacy when it comes to, you know, uh, living our best life and living our life, you know, for, for making the best out of our lives? How, you know, one of the things that we would consider is how about, you know, building a, a good a good legacy? How about building a legacy so that when we're gone, you know, our lives will continue on, but not necessarily our lives continuing on, but the impact that we make in this world, the impact that we made in people's lives will continue on and we just wouldn't be, you know, a lost memory. You know, what would people say to you? Ask yourself this question and talking about thinking about your legacy. What would people say to you once you're gone? Once you're passed on and, you know, your, 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 your days here on this earth has come to an end. What will people say to you, say about you? What would they say about your life? If you only had 30 days left to live, how would you change what people would say to you, say about you? So think about it right now. In your the way your life is right now at this very moment, if you was a pass away, what would people say? And if you if you were told that you only had 30 days to live, how would you change what people would say? Chances are. You know, all of us have parents. Our chances are our parents, they made a great impact in our lives. You know, for, for many of you, that impact was a positive impact. For others, maybe not so positive. You know, if I ask you, you know, what would you say, you know, about your dad or what would you say about your mom? You know, uh, what kind of an impact did they have in your life? You know, what did they impart into you that helped you to become the person that you are today? Some of you would light up immediately and you would say that, you know, your mom and, or your dad, you know, or maybe both your mom and your dad, you know, that they were amazing to you. They were amazing people, you know, or, or not just were, but is because some of our parents are, parents are still alive. You know, if you somebody was asked you, you know, uh, about your parents, you would light up and you start saying, you know, man, my dad was great or my mom was great. They were amazing. You know, you would tell story after story about how incredible they were or how incredible they are. You know, some people might be polite and not have a whole lot to say, you know, and they would just they would look for things to say something good or to say something positive. But, you know, the responses, the reality is that people have different responses, you know, even when it comes to their parents about, you know, what type of an impact that they had in their lives. You know, some is going to be positive and some is going to be not so positive. You know, I want to talk about again, talk about leaving a legacy. But I want to talk about leaving a good legacy. One of the things that we want to do is we want to leave a good legacy. You know, I want to leave a good legacy. So let's start off, first of all, by defining what legacy is. So we have to understand what we're talking about in order to be able to uh, 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 in, in order to be able to, you know, make it practical in our lives. So uh, the first definition of legacy is this. It's the amount of money or property that's left. It, you know, left behind or left to someone in a will. You know, that's important, but that that definition of legacy actually lends more to inheritance. But it, it is a part of a person's legacy, legacy, the amount of money or the amount of property, property that's left behind in a will. You know, although that is important, you know, although that is a part of a person's legacy, it's not the part that we're going to focus on today, all right? The part of the definition that we're going to focus on today is, is this right here. It says, the long lasting impact of a particular event or of particular events, actions, and impartations that takes place in a person's life. That's the one that we want to focus on today. When it talks about, when we're talking about leaving a good legacy, 
which we all should want to leave a good legacy, we need to think about that long lasting impact in particular events, actions, and impartations that take place in our lives. You know, what is it that we're doing to, you know, uh, uh, leave a good legacy in that way? There are people that leave a long lasting impact in our lives, whether through events, actions, or impartations. These, these impacts, they have helped us and they have shaped us into becoming the people that we are today. You know, we can think about, you know, if I was to ask you the question, you know, who is it that, who is it in your life? And I want you all to think about this as we're talking. Think about this. Who is it in your life let, that left a good legacy? It, a lot of people have left a legacy. You know, if someone, you know, when you talk about someone who's, who's gone today, all right? If you talk about someone who's gone today, what would you say about them? What were some things that, that you could take away that are still impacting your life today, you know, that that person did? What are some events that they did in your life? you know, that, that you're still feeling today, that you're still impacted by today? What are some actions that they did? What are some impartations that that person, you know, left in your life? You know, some good, some not so good. You know, there's a lot of people there's, that I can think about. I want to talk about one, one person in particular, right? And that is my Uncle Butch. My Uncle Butch, he left a legacy. And I want to share with you the legacy that he left. He left a legacy that you know, is still being felt today by the people that, you know, he imparted into the people where he shared events with some actions with into their lives. And, you know, um, when I think about our childhood growing up as a kid, we had so many kids on our block. Our block was, it seemed like, you know, there was kids for days and we were all about the same age and the same generation. Right. And, and we just, we, we had a lot of fun together as kids, you know, it was, it was no, it was no opportunity, no chance for us to be lonely on our block. Let me put it that way. If you was lonely, then it was because you wanted to be lonely. If you didn't have nobody to play with, you know what I'm saying? It's because you didn't want nobody to play with. But we had plenty, plenty of friends. But my Uncle Butch, he left an impact on not only myself and my brother and my sister and my cousin Andre, you know, he left a he left an impact on a lot of kids on our block. You know, one of the things that he would do is he would take us on bike rides, you know, as, as, a, as, as grade school age kids, you know, some of us were still riding, you know, there was some couple of kids that still had training wheels on their bikes. And, and Michael Bush would take us on these bike rides and not just, you know, around the corner, up and down the street, dude would take us on bike rides across the city. You know, he got this, you know, nice, you know, 10 speed or 12 speed road bike, you know what I'm saying? And he would have us uh, uh, ride, he would ride us all the way across the city, right? And he'd be on, you know, he'd be leading. And then we had, he had this trail of kids on bikes going all, you know, from, a, you know, older kids to younger kids. And uh, we'd be riding in the street with the cars, with the traffic and everything, right? And he would ride us. He would take us from Orange Mound to Parkway Village. Now, for those of y'all that are in Memphis, you know, that's a good trip, right? Especially for some kids on some bike driving on the streets. And we didn't have bike lanes then. We didn't have bike trails then. We was riding on the streets, all right? And he would drive, he would ride us from Orange Mound to Parkway Village. Some of y'all probably remember the apartments that was called Greenwich Square on Getwell Road, where he and his wife used to live there at Greenwich Square. And they would he would take us basically to his, his apartment where he lived there from, from uh, Arlington Street in Orange Mound all the way to uh, 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 Greenwich Square. You know, uh, my brother Eric, he's on here, so he knows exactly what I'm talking about. And, uh, and he would just take us and ride us you know, and even to this day, you know, I love riding my bike. 
I love riding my bike. I don't have no fear about riding in the street with cars and with traffic. It doesn't bother me. You know what I'm saying? It, I don't care if there is if if there's a bike lane or not. It just doesn't bother me. There's not a fear there for me. You know, I know how to be cautious and careful and watch out for knuckleheads. You know, but I like also riding long distances. I like riding 10, 15, 20 miles on a bike. It doesn't bother me. I can do it. Uh, I'm here in uh, Fort Worth visiting with my son. Yesterday, he and I went on a, a 10 mile, this was right at 10 mile bike ride. You know, it was, he said it was 100. I didn't realize it was that hot. It was, he said it was 100 degrees yesterday. You know, we rode uh, five miles out on the trail. Nice trail. There was a restaurant uh, that we hit stopped in. Stopped for a little break and, you know, got a little appetizer and some water and refreshments, ate at the restaurant. Then we hit, hitched it back for another five miles. I love bike riding. That's something that my uncle Butch imparted into me. That's something that was an event that he that, that you know, events like that, that he that he left behind that are, I'm still feeling to this day. You know, not only that, he would ride us from Orange Mound to Parkway Village, you know, on these bikes. When we get to Greenwood Square. He would take us all swimming. We would go swimming at the swimming pool there. And, and most of us, if not all of us, you know, it would be like, what, what, what? Eric could probably attest to this. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I mean, at least seven or eight kids. At least seven or eight kids on bikes riding around the doggone city. And we would go swimming there, and he would teach us how to swim. He would teach us how to dive. He would teach us, you know, different techniques and stuff like that. We all, uh, uh, most of us got our swimming abilities from my Uncle Butch. Till this day, I love swimming. I go swimming in the ocean. It doesn't bother me. I'm not fearful. I've done it many times before. I go swimming in deep waters and, and pools. It, I love getting in the water. I love riding my bike. And I love riding in the street. I love riding for long distance. I love going swimming. I don't care about, you know, I, I'm not fearful of getting in large bodies of water. You know what I'm saying? My Uncle Butch, this is something that he imparted into my life. You know, we would, we, we my, my brother and I, we can attest there's our, our swimming abilities came from my Uncle Butch. You know, he would take us to the country. He would take us to the country all the time to visit family members and visit, you know, other friends and his in-laws and different things. Like we spent so much time in the country, you know, we would be in the city all the time and, and just to get out of the city and go to the country and just run free and just do whatever in a totally different way. It was a whole, uh, you know, it was, it was just a different experience. So as kids, we grew up with, we grew up as country kids, but we also grew up as city kids. We grew up as ghetto kids. You know, it, it was like the, we had the ghetto and the country in us all at the same time. My uncle Butch, you know, he, he, he regularly, regularly imparted these things into our lives. Regularly, he, would, he was having events in our lives that impacted us. He left a legacy. You know, when he passed away, he left his house uh, to my brother, Eric, and he left my grandmother's house to myself. And my sister, she got his, uh, his SUV truck, and she's still driving it to this day. You know, he left something behind. And, and, you know, there are a lot of events, a lot of actions, a lot of impartations that impacted our lives in ways that, that we are still feeling today, even after he's gone, even after he's left us. I want to leave a long lasting impact. I want to leave a legacy that others will continue to feel long after I'm gone. If somebody told you, if you were told that you only had 30 days left to live, you probably begin to think about what type of a legacy do you want to live that will be long lasting long after you are gone. Amen. So we're going to talk about not just leaving a good legacy, 
but I specifically want to talk about leaving a godly legacy. So for those of you that are taking notes, you want to start really taking notes right now. We're going to focus on, we're going to talk about leaving a godly legacy. It's one thing to leave a legacy, but it's another thing to leave a godly legacy. Amen. There are three things that we want to focus on today. So write these three things down, three things to leaving a godly legacy. The first thing is this. <clears throat> the first thing to leaving a godly legacy is to say the things that God wants you to say. Amen. Say the things that God wants you to say. There are things that we need to speak up and say that we don't say. <clears throat> there are things we need to speak up and say that we just keep to ourselves. You know, we need to say the things to the next generation. We need to say the things to our loved ones, to those people that we have influence on. We need to say the things to them that are most important. There, there are people that, you know, that, that, that are around us that we come and come in contact with, you know, that are the next generation, our younger people, you know, we need to say the things to them that are most important. We need to say the things to our loved ones that's most important to the people that we have influence in that are most important. You know, as a pastor at our previous, the, the previous church, you know, that I was a part of uh, in, in Des Moines, Iowa, here's the thing. There were times where I would get called out to go visit people. You know, it may be in a nursing home. It may be in a, in a hospital. It may be in, in the ICU or whatever. And people will be in their last moments. There are times where I would get calls in the middle of the night because somebody's in the hospital and they, they're, they're, about to, they're in the last moments of their lives, you know. And, and, and I would go and I would visit these people. And one of the things that would happen sometimes is that they would give me a message. That person that was in their last moments, they would give me a message that they would want me to deliver to their family. They would give me a message that, you know, if I was the one that's going to be doing their eulogy at their funeral, that they would want me to say something to their family in those, in those times. And these will be heartfelt messages. These will be, you know, messages that, you know, this is like some real stuff. You know what I mean? This is not just no uh, 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 haphazard information or something. This is be some heartfelt messages. And, you know, I would think to myself sometimes, I would think to myself, why didn't you tell, you know, your family this? Why didn't you tell your children this? Why didn't you tell your spouse this? Why didn't you tell your loved one these things yourself? But here you are in your last moments of life. And, and you're, you're telling me to tell them to deliver this message, you know, and, and I, you know, we should not wait to our last moment to to deliver messages to our loved ones, to our our the next generation, to the people that we have influence. And we should tell them we should speak up and say the things that God wants us to say. You know, some of you are familiar with Solomon. Solomon, he uh, uh, was David, King David's son. And one of the things that he did, he was known to be the wisest man that ever lived. And during his days, he was constantly imparting into his son. He was constantly speaking wisdom and life into his son. You know, he gave his son, he was constantly giving his son great advice. And so I want to share something with you from the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter four and verse 20. This is Solomon speaking to his son. And he says to his son here, again, Proverbs chapter four and verse 20, he says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart for they bring life to those who find them and healing to the whole body. 
Solomon is imparting wisdom unto his son. And as he's, he's telling him, listen carefully, the words that I say to you, do not take these words lightly. I'm giving you some words that are filled with life, some words that are filled with wisdom. I'm giving you some great advice. I know you have your own thoughts. I know you have your own desires, your own ways and the way you see different things. And I'm not telling you to disregard those things, all right? But what I am telling you is the words that I'm saying to you, the advice that I'm giving to you, the wisdom that, I give, that I'm giving to you, take them to heart because they will give you life. Take them to heart because they will bring healing to you, amen? He is saying the things that God wants him to say to his son. And that's what... That's a part of leaving a godly legacy, amen? We need to express words of wisdom and words of love and words of encouragement to our loved ones. We need to express these words to the next generation, you know, to those who have that we have influence over. So many people don't do this. And, you know, I, 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 we, we all have to take God's word and we all have to take, you know, mess these messages and apply them to our daily lives and consider them in our lives. And, and me personally not being excluded. A lot of times, as a matter of fact, not a lot of times, all the times when I preach or I deliver a message, something like that, I'm not just talking to you guys or whoever. I'm talking to myself as well. I'm preaching to myself as well. I am one who needs to speak more life. I am one who needs to speak more or say the things that God wants me to say more. I need to speak to my children more. I need to speak to my wife more. I need to speak to my brothers and sisters more, the things that God wants me to say. Most people, when you ask them, do you believe that your dad or your mom was proud of you? Do you believe that your mom and dad was proud of you or is if they're still alive, you know? With most people, they will respond. This is a, a, in some studies and some surveys. That's where I get this information from. Most people respond by saying, I don't know. Or most people respond by saying, I'm not sure. I think they did, but I'm not quite sure. I don't want my kids to, to ever be asked that question, you know, after I'm gone, even while I'm still alive. I don't want them to ever say, no, I don't know. Uh, 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 I don't want them to say, I'm not sure. And if that's how my kids will respond right now, then guess what? I have some work to do. I need to change some things. I need to begin to say more the things that God wants me to say. Amen. Words of encouragement, words of love, words of inspiration, words full of wisdom and words of full of life. Most people say that their parents didn't or, 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 or don't tell them enough just how much they love them. You know, God the Father, he publicly, during, the, during Jesus' baptism, he publicly told Jesus how much he loved them and how much he was pleased with them. You know, at this time when he did this, you know, if you guys remember John the Baptist or was out in the Jordan River and he was baptizing people, Jesus walks up to him and he, he tells John the Baptist he needs him, needs him to baptize him. John he baptized Jesus, and after he baptized Jesus, it says that a light came down and shot out of the sky and began to shine down on Jesus. And when it did, the, the voice of God spoke out of the heavens and said, this is my son who I am well pleased. This is my son whom I love, and I am well pleased. You know, at this time that God did this, 
Jesus had not done anything significant. He had not done a miracle. He had not healed nobody. He ain't raised nobody from the dead. He ain't really gone out here and preached to thousands of people or different things like that. He had not really done anything significant. At this time, there's not a lot. There's really not anything that we see that he was doing ministry-wise other than beginning to recruit some disciples. Other than that, he was just being obedient. The things that we know about his life, he was just obedient up until this point. When he went to uh, get baptized and he told John the Baptist to baptize him, he was telling, he told John, I'm being, I gotta be obedient. I'm, this is what I'm supposed to do. Baptize me, dude. And so John the Baptist baptized him. God was letting Jesus know and everyone else that was present of how much that he loved him, how much he was pleased with them. We need to say more how much we love people. We need to say how much, uh, we need to say more how much we are pleased with them, how proud of them that we are. I believe my son Dion is on here right now. Dion, I'm saying publicly today, I love you, man. And I, I love you more than you probably can imagine. And I am proud of you. I'm proud of the young man that you are. I am so proud of you and, and the things that you do and what you become. You probably don't think that I am that proud of you, but I am. I want you to know that right now. And I'm going to make an effort to say it more and express it more to you. Amen. You know, we need to speak every positive thought that we have, every positive thought that comes to our minds. Many of us, we can think about positive thoughts that we have about people, positive thoughts that we have towards people, and we just don't say it. You know, we need to think when we have those positive thoughts, we need to just say it. We need to just say it. When we have those encouraging thoughts towards our kids, towards our family members, our spouses, towards people that we have influence on, we need to say it. You know, one of the things that it comes across, you know, in today's terms, it seems like that comes across as compliments, paying compliments. And people say, man, they wish they, you know, we need to pay more compliments. And I want to change that thinking. I want to change that thinking. You know, I like to call it, you know, doing a paradigm shift. Let's do a shift in our thinking. Instead of, you know, calling it, labeling it compliments, how about we just think of it in this terms, positive thoughts. Positive thoughts. When you have positive thoughts, communicate it. And when you do communicate it, people are going to receive it as encouragement. People are going to receive it as inspiration. People are going to receive it as love. Amen. Not necessarily a compliment. You know, compliments to me are, are and maybe I'm wrong in this, they overrate it. But positive thoughts being communicated, to me, that's on a whole different level. It's on a whole different level. We must be intentional about converting positive thoughts to positive words. If you were told that you only had 30 days to live, you probably began to think about saying the things that God wants you to say. Amen. Number two, number two. And we're not, we're not, I'm, I'm trying to be real quick with these last two. OK. Um, and so we can get out of here. But number two, the number two thing to leave in a godly legacy for those of you that are taking notes is this. Number two thing to leave in a godly legacy is to do what God wants you to do. Amen. The book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 24 says, this. it says, but my life, this is Apostle Paul talking. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless it, it unless I use it to finish my work assignment to be, uh, 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 hold on, let me back up here. I'm, I'm misreading this thing. Okay. The book of Acts chapter 20, verse 24. 
It says, but my life is nothing to me. It's worth nothing to me unless I use it and finish the work assignment given to me by my Lord Jesus Christ. The work of telling others about the good news, about the wonderful grace of God. The Apostle Paul's assignment is to preach the gospel. It's to tell people about Jesus. It's to tell people about the good news, about the wonderful grace of, the, of, of God the Father. That's his assignment. And he's saying, if I cannot do that one thing, there's a lot of things that I can do, but that one assignment right there, if I can't do that one assignment, then my life is worthless to me. You know, I have a question for you. My question for you is this, what is your assignment? And, I, and let's put an S on that, assignments, because we all throughout our lives, we all have multiple assignments, amen, things that we know that we're supposed to do. That's what an assignment is. If you don't know what an assignment is, these are things that you know that you're supposed to do, amen. What is your assignment? What did God create you to do? You might have one, you might have more. For some of you, that assignment might be big, it might be great, while others of you, it may not be so big, amen. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's still your assignment. You may be working a job that you know that is not God's calling for your life. You may be, you know, maybe just, just working a job and you're drawing a paycheck and, you know, you're not even using your gifts. You're not even using your talents, but you're just drawing a paycheck. You know, you got a vision. You got a vision for something else. There's something, you have passion for something else and you have not taken that step of faith to actually just step out and do that thing that you have a vision of doing or do that thing that you have a passion of doing. You know, it could be relational. You know, there could be people, there could be someone who's very important to you, but right now your relationship is not good. And, and, and you know it's not good. You know, if you were told that, you know, if you were if you were to die or if that person was to die, you would regret it forever that you never took the opportunity to say to that person or to do to that person to, 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 to fix that relationship. You know, the way that that relationship is right now, if you were to die or that person was to die, you would regret it for the rest of your life. You know, what would, what would be, or shall I say, that would be an unfinished assignment. How many people that you can think of in your life that has passed away and there were some things that you wanted, to, or, or should I say, the, the, the condition of that relationship, you knew that you should have done something to try to make that better, but you didn't. That's what you would call an unfinished assignment. Do what you know you're supposed to do. Amen. Do the things that God wants you to do. There are many people, you know, there, there, there may be someone right now who is hurting someone right now who is struggling that, you know, you, you've had them on your heart, you've had them on your mind, and you've been thinking about them, but you haven't reached out to them yet. You know, you're supposed to, but you haven't. There may be someone who's in need right now, and you have the resources to meet their need, and God has put them on your heart, but you don't do anything about it. There may, there may be a book that's inside of you that, you know, God has put on your heart to write. And, and, and the reason why is because you know that this book that you're supposed to write could possibly help someone. It can inspire someone. It can encourage someone. But you haven't done it yet. Kudos to Jerome McNary for the book that he wrote. Kudos, Jerome. If you got some more books, keep writing them, bro. Amen. Maybe, maybe God wants you to lead your family spiritually. Maybe he wants you to be the spiritual leader in your family, but you haven't done it yet. 
What is your unfinished assignment? You know, we want to leave a godly legacy. And to do that, we need to say the things that God wants us to say, and we need to do the things that God wants us to do. You know, my brother-in-law, he asked uh, uh, my brother-in-law, Jeff, in, in L.A., he sends out text messages. He got a, a group. I'm not sure if it's a men's group only or if it's a bunch of people, but uh, he sends out. A, I'm a part of a text group that he sends out. He sends out maybe two or three a week. But the other day he asked a question and uh, he said, what makes a man a man? And for me, this was very easy because this is something that in my early 20s, as I began to move closer to God, it was just something that dropped into my heart. And I, I, I felt it. I kept it. And I still stand on it to this day. Whenever somebody asks me, you know, what is it that makes a man a man? I say, what makes a man a man is he be who he's supposed to be and he do what he's supposed to do. That's what you call a man. Amen. When I when I got to this place where I, I began to be like, OK, and I'm seeking God. And I, I was like, OK, you a full grown adult now. You're not a child no more. You got to do some things. What you going to do? You know, and I realized I was like, man, I, in order for me to be a true man, I need to be who I'm supposed to be and do what I'm supposed to do. Amen. When I first met my brother-in-law, Jeff, it was uh, in LA. Uh, we was on a family vacation and uh, we were uh, sitting in, Jeff wasn't with us at this time, but we were sitting in an IHOP restaurant and my mother-in-law, her colon erupted while we were sitting there in the restaurant. And we had to rush her off to the hospital um, there. I think it was in Laguna Beach or something like that, but we had to rush her off to the hospital and she had to have emergency surgery. And Jeff and Margaret, they were in L.A., which is probably like an hour drive, an hour away from where we were at. They came through. They came rushing through. They came out. And then it was my that was my first time meeting Jeff face to face. And and um, he had asked me the question when I first met him. He asked me the question. And he was something like um, he was like, man, man, he's a dude, you know, nice to meet you, whatever. But, you know, in this situation, like, you know, it was something like he asked me you know, how do you, how do you do this? Or something like that. He's, I can't remember exactly the exact question, but I do remember my response. And I said, man, uh, hey, got to do what you got to do. And, and that's something that I really hold fast to do what you got to do. So here's the thing, leave a godly legacy. You know, you have to say the things that God wants you to say and do the things that God wants you to do. Number three, and we're going to be done. All right. Taking notes. Here's the third thing to leaving a godly legacy. Live how God wants you to live. Amen. We are living all types of ways. People are living all types of ways. But here's the reality check. Most people are not living the way God wants them to live. And I'm not going to define what that looks like today, okay? Because we could spend a whole nother four, five, six hours, you know, talking about that and, and defining that. I'm not going to define that today, okay? In another series, I'll do that. But I want to talk about living how God wants you to live. Most people are not doing it. You know, it's a sad thing to see so many people who call themselves believers who hear God's word and, and, and they hear what God's word says, but they don't do it. And I'm, I know you guys can relate to me. There are so many people that call themselves believers, but they do not do what the word says do. The book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 16 and 17, the apostle Paul, he asked God the questions and he starts off by saying, he says, Lord, who has believed our message? And he goes on to say, so faith comes by hearing the good news of the, uh, about Jesus Christ. Uh, the King James version, I think it says, so faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the word of God. So when you hear the word of God, that's where people's faith is birthed. That's where their faith begins. That's where they get their faith from. They hear the word. They hear the message. And when they hear the message, they gain faith. The Apostle Paul goes on and he continues to ask questions, right? And he says, but I ask. He says, have the people of Israel actually heard the message then? So if faith comes by hearing, did they actually hear the message? And God responds. He says, yes, they have. Don't, don't, don't get lost right here. Y'all follow me, right? Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes by hearing, hearing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But, but, but I ask you, have they actually heard the message? God says, yes, they have. Pastor Paul goes on in verse 19. And he asks another question. He says, but I ask. He says, did the people of Israel really understand it? Yes, they heard it. Okay, they heard the message. Did they actually understand it? Okay. And he's, God responds, yes, they did. Even in the time of Moses, even back to the time of Moses, they heard it and they believed it. Okay. So many people who call themselves believers have heard the message and have believed the message, but still don't live their lives doing what it says. Did y'all catch that? They, they, they heard it. They believed it but they still don't do it. Why is that? Why is that? It's because I, I heard something, uh, me, Marguerite, and Ton was, was hanging out last weekend and I saw a TikTok video and it, it just kind of, it kind of hit me, you know, in, in a certain type of way. But anyway, because, the, here's the question, why don't people live? The people heard the message, they believed it, but they don't, they don't do what it says do. They don't live their lives doing it. Why is this? It's because they haven't moved from believing to knowing. Take that note down, write it down. They have not moved from believing to knowing. So let me explain to you. The scripture says that faith comes by hearing. They've heard it. Now they believe it. Believing is what? Faith. Believing is faith. They have faith that is true. They have accepted it as being true. God's word, God's message, the message of Jesus Christ. They've heard this and they have faith that is true. They've accepted as true and they are sure that it's true, but they still have doubt. They still have doubt. Many people think that doubt is the opposite of faith. No. So, so in, 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 in our, our religious beliefs, you know, it's like if somebody has doubt, then they don't believe. No, many people think that the opposite of faith is doubt. It's not. The opposite of faith is unbelief. It's not doubt. Okay, so let's don't get don't don't get don't get confused here. So many people they have heard the message, they believe in the message, but they still they have accepted it as true. Amen. And 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 and, and but they still have doubt. So if that's you today, I want you to know: just because you have doubt does not mean that you don't have faith. People without faith, or if you don't have faith, that means you are you are an unbelief. You believe, but you still have doubt. You can believe in something and still have doubt. That's a reality. Some of us we scared to say we doubt that God is real. We scared to say that we doubt that this stuff is about Jesus Christ is real. We scared to say that we doubt that this Bible is real. And but we still we, we want to hang on to the fact that we do believe it. We want to hang on to the fact that you know we we've accepted it as true. 
It's okay. It's okay. Here's the deal. That doubt is erased when you go from believing to knowing. It, 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 going to knowing, it takes your belief to a different level. Many people, they live, but they, or many people, they believe, but they still don't know that it's true. They believe in God's word. They believe that it's true, but they don't know that it's true. Knowing is to be absolutely certain or to be absolutely sure that something is absolutely true. Let me say that one more time. Knowing is to be absolutely certain or to be absolutely sure that something is absolutely true. There is this thing that's called an absolute truth and a relative truth. Absolute truth is true for everyone, no matter what. You can't dispute it. It can't be disputed. It's true. That's an absolute truth. A relative truth is not necessarily true for everyone. It's not. It, what was true for me may not be true for the next person. All right. So many believers, they take the word of God as a relative truth and not absolute truth. When you move from this place of believing to knowing, then what happens is the word of God becomes an absolute truth to you and not a relative truth. The book of James chapter one, verse 22, it says, don't just listen to God's word, do it. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. Too many believers are only listeners and not doers. And it's because they're living in a, a relative truth concerning God's word and not an absolute truth. When it becomes an absolute truth to you, you're going to do it. You're going to be doing some things. Amen. When you become a doer, you become a different person to everyone. You become different from everyone and people will notice it. Now, even, even unbelievers are going to notice it. They're going to notice that there's something special about you. They're going to notice that there's something different about you. You know, I can't tell you the number of times, and my wife, she can attest to this, that there's been times where we've been out somewhere and and, and we've been uh, somewhere, you know, uh, 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 in the grocery store. I remember one of the first times this happened to us. We were in the grocery store walking down the aisle, you know, shopping for some groceries. And, and this dude stopped us and he was like, he was like, hey, he said, uh, y'all are believers, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. He said, I can tell. He said, I can just tell. Y'all didn't say nothing. Y'all didn't do nothing. He said, I just saw y'all walking to him and I can just tell. You know, that people, when you become a doer, and we hadn't even done nothing then. I don't know what it was. You know, maybe it was it was, it was the Holy Spirit just shining on us. I don't know. You walking down the aisle. I don't know what it was. My point is this. When you become a doer of the word, people are going to notice it. You don't even have to say God. You don't even have to say Jesus. It's just by the way you live your life, by the way you carry your life. People will notice it. Even non-believers will notice it. And here's the thing about non-believers. Not only will non-believers notice it, they will even respect it. They will even respect it. Even if they don't believe in it, they will respect it. The book of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15, it says, you are the light of the world, like a city that sits on a hill that cannot be hid. No one lights a lamp and put it under a basket where you can't see it anymore. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the room. In the same way, in the same way, let your light shine so that men may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. When I leave this world, I don't want people to talk about my talents. 
When I leave this world, I don't want people to talk about my gifts. I don't want them to talk about, you know, that I, the, the, the good, the things that I did that was, you know, that I was good at, such as, you know, I say photography or something like that. I don't want them, those things are okay to talk about, okay? But that's not what I want. I want people to talk about the impact that I had in their lives in a positive way. I want people to talk about the good things that I did. I want people, I, I want them to talk about how I'll help someone to be better and to do better. How I'll help someone to become a man or become a woman or become a father or become a mother or become a husband or become a wife. That's what I want them to talk about. I want them to talk about how I help someone to become a student of God's word and, and also not a student, but a doer themselves. I want them to talk about how I help someone to discover their assignments, how I help someone to discover their gifts and discover their own talents. You must live the way God wants you to live. Live by your convictions. So many people have convictions and they don't even live by it. When your time comes, what do you want people to say about you? Do you want God's, do you, do you, do what God wants you to do and live the way God wants you to live. Amen. In closing, I say this to you. If you were told that you only had 30 days left to live, you might think about the type of legacy that you want to leave. We should all desire to leave a godly legacy. Number one, say the things that God wants you to say. Number two, do the things that God wants you to do. And number three, live the way God wants you to live. If this message was a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry in a financial way, you can donate electronically by texting to 84321 and enter the dollar amount you'd like to donate in the message area. Or you can mail a check or money order to Crosstown Church of Memphis, P.O. Box 40981, Memphis, Tennessee, 38104. We invite you to visit our website at www.wearecrosstown.com for more information about our church. Join us for our next broadcast next Sunday at 10 a.m. Be blessed and be better.